On episode six of the Backseat Coach Podcast, I took a one-day hiatus. I didn't upload on Tuesday this week, so recapping college football, I did a ton of it on my TikTok account. I have tons of videos talking about the winners, the losers, who's trending upwards and downwards for Heisman, what my current top 25 rankings are, what my current college football playoff picture looks like. So in terms of a recap from the college football weekend, that's all on my TikTok. Go check that out. Normally, I would have a Tuesday show, but this weekend, I was in Vegas, as I preluded to last week on Thursday. Going to talk about Vegas a bit, what all went down all my fantasy drafts that happened while we were in Vegas because that's the main purpose of us going there, as well as also a little special preview, I guess, into my current fantasy football draft for the Backseat Coach League podcast. So that I have people that are writing articles for me, working social media for the company, and we have a fantasy football league. This is going to be our second year running of it, and I got a draft that starts in seven minutes, but I also want to record this podcast, and I also want to eat dinner, and I have a lot of other things I want to do. So we're going to be kind of drafting live. I have the first pick. It completely randomized it for me. Um, I promise I didn't cheat because first pick, honestly, is like the last pick I would want, especially because this is a super flex league. So normally first pick would be no no brainer. Jonathan Taylor, maybe if you want to be high risk with some upside to maybe outperform Jonathan Taylor, if he's healthy, go Christian McCaffrey. But for super flex leagues, you know, you want to heavily, heavily, heavily weight quarterbacks. But do I want to weight a quarterback higher than Jonathan Taylor at the first pick? I know quarterbacks should go in the first round, but do I want to take him with the first pick? Do I want to go Josh Allen? Do I want to go Lamar? Five minutes and 48 seconds until that decision will be decided, and I will pull the trigger on my first pick. So you'll get to see live my first uh, first picks to the draft. I'd imagine this draft will go somewhat slow, so I bet this podcast will end before I finish the draft, but you'll get to see live updates for my team. But what we are going to do this episode, because I said we aren't going to be recapping the previous weekend of week one because I talked about all of it for the most part on TikTok. We're going to be previewing the NFL weekend ahead and previewing the college football weekend ahead because we've got week one of the NFL kicking off tonight. If you're listening to this right when it's released on Thursday with the Rams versus the Bills in Los Angeles, SoFi Stadium, Rams raising that banner. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs looking to ruin, ruin that ceremony and ruin the ring night for them. And we have college football week two. We are rolling and we are underway and then some for the college football season. So we have some great games this weekend. I wouldn't call it a, a delicious slate, but it's a tasty slate. It's a, it's a good enough slate. I mean, hey, it's football. It's September. We can't complain here. Before we jump into that, though, I want to just quickly mention Run Your Pool, Thrive Fantasy, and Chalkboard as the sponsors for this episode. You'll hear more about them later, but also especially listen to Run Your Pool because my college football pool is going on right now. You can still join, I believe. But my NFL pool is kicking off tonight. I think if you miss tonight, you can still jump in with the weekend games. But still, tonight, if you're not already in it, Rams versus Bills, get your picks in, as well as my NFL survivor pool. Uh, you got to join my pool because the winner is going to get a jersey of their choice, any sport, any player, you name it. Winner, you are getting it. So go ahead and check that out. We'll talk about that more later. Again, if you want to jump ahead, if you're more a fan of college football or more a fan of NFL, vice versa, whichever you tend to lean on towards more and you're not really interested in the other there's timestamps listed in spotify or whatever you're listening to this go down below you can just tap right on your screen onto whatever timestamp you want to jump to to hear about and it will take you right there so you don't have to listen to any of the topics you're not very interested in so try to put that in there for your convenience but before we talk about you know my fantasy football teams college football nfl let's just recap vegas because last weekend i posted this on thursday i, I spent all of wednesday last week filming TikToks for both backseat coach as well as backseat screen time. I it was like a twelve hour work day to be honest. Twelve hour work day purely on TikToks and social media stuff. And that's just the social media grind. Like people think it's easy. And in some aspects it is easy. But in a lot of ways it's a grind that a lot of people just don't understand. That's one of them because I just get like crippling anxiety at the thought of missing a daily upload for TikTok for backseat coach or backseat screen time. 
So I went and I filmed like 20 drafts total between the two accounts, maybe even more than that. I think I had like 20 per account because I was going to be gone. Thursday morning was when my flight was, or no. Yeah, Thursday morning was my flight. And I didn't return until late Monday night. So I had all Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday to fill up with TikToks. I was I just knew that I wasn't going to be wanting to sit in a hotel room and film TikToks while everyone else is having fun at casinos or bars or what what have you, walking around the strip. So I knew I had to, had to grind. I had to get them all ready, saved up in drafts. So I spent all of Wednesday getting ready. But then Thursday morning, I went to Vegas, flew in. Some minor hassles with the checked bag. I didn't check it on the way back. I don't know why I did on the way there. I'm always paranoid with liquids that they're going to like throw away some like hair product or something or deodorant. But I get to Vegas. We were, Our initial plan was that we were going to go there and everyone wanted to drive down to the Hoover Dam because that's on the border of Nevada and Arizona. And people wanted to do – because they're all from Minnesota for the most part, everyone I was meeting. And Minnesota is not a, a legal gambling state. So everyone wanted to drive down to the Hoover Dam get brunch there because once we get into Arizona, which is a legal gambling state, um, obviously gambling is legal in Nevada, but for sports betting, the apps aren't valid there. You have to go in person to the casinos. You can't use FanDuel Sportsbook, Barstool Sportsbook, all, all, all the good apps. But you can in Arizona, and those apps like DraftKings, FanDuel, you name it, always have great deposits for first-time players. They have great deposit matches. They have great boosts and bonus for new players. So they wanted to all take a trip down to the Hoover Dam and you know just basically get brunch and bet on sports while we can and then the board within the borders of arizona before driving up there up back to nevada where we also had a tea time for that thursday but we decided to cancel it because it was middle of the day was our tea time and it was going to be 115 degrees and playing 18 holes which i've done this summer a couple times even hotter than that in arizona by the time I get to hole 14 and days that hot, it's always 14 that ends up being the one. I can get through the front nine a little a little sloggy towards the ninth hole, but then once you once you refresh, you kind of reset the mindset for the back nine. But hole 14 is always where I just throw in the towel, and I'm just like, I just, if I hit a bad shot, I'm just like, I don't even care. I just drive up to the ball. I don't take a practice swing. I just whack at it. Just just hurry up, get it to the green. Oh, I, should I line up this putt? No, I'm just gonna go up and smack it like. I just lose all care by hole 14 when it's 115 degrees. So we decided to cancel it. There's a lot more fun things we could have done in Vegas with our time, which is what we decided to do. But yeah, I, I went, I was conservative with the amount of money I bring. I know it's all relative based on where you are in life, how old you are, how much money you're making. But for me, I brought $800. That was kind of my, my amount to bring to Vegas. Normally I bring a clean thousand. So I'd say this year is a little conservative. But I went with $800 cash and I left with 615 which was, you know, I'm ecstatic about that. I Day one on Thursday, I lost a lot of money. I lost like 600 bucks. So when you just, if we just think about percentages, I lost like 75% of the money I brought. Then Friday, had a great day, brought it back up to about even. Saturday, we had ups and downs. Sunday, we had ups and downs. But ultimately, we rode just losing a little bit of money. And speaking of money in fantasy football, um, I'm on the clock right now. So first pick. In my fantasy football draft for backseat coach. You know what? This is my sixth fantasy draft. I've done two auctions. Uh, one super flex, one dynasty. I have a family league. I have an MBA league for people from my master's in business administration. This is for my company league. I do not have Jonathan Taylor in any leagues. I'm drafting Jonathan Taylor first in my super flex draft. I know that's probably a dumb idea and I should have gotten Josh Allen or what have you. But hey, I want my boy JT. He's on the wall back there. I have to show him some love. 
And maybe these people aren't familiar with Superflexes too much and they don't value quarterbacks as much as they should. I'll update you with who the second pick in the draft is because that will really be revealing to uh, revealing to us on if they are going the Superflex mindset of quarterbacks or not. But anyways, Vegas just had a lot of ups and downs, and that's really all you can hope for. I feel like when you go to Vegas, however much money you bring, like I was telling people, telling my friends this while I was there, if you go to Vegas and you bring a certain amount of money and you lose it all, that should be expected. However much cash you're bringing to Vegas, you should not expect to ever see that again. You're just planning on losing that. In your mind, you should consider losing it. You should never go to Vegas expecting to win money. But how much money you bring, expect to lose. If you come back with profits, awesome. That's like a unicorn. That's awesome. You made money in Vegas. That's amazing. Bravo to you. That's an awesome trip. Couldn't have gone better for you. If you come back with anything in between, kind of like I was, by the way, Christian McCaffrey was taking second, so I think I'm in the clear for the quarterbacks. If you come back with anything in between what you brought and zero, I feel like it's kind of a waste, which I mean, that's where I ended up with in between $800 and zero, just because I feel like the main reason I say that is to kind of hedge against people that have the mindset of, which I did at one point, where on Saturday night, I was at like 1400 so I was up like 600 bucks. I easily could have been like, I have two more days here. I'm just not even going to gamble. I'm just going to like sit in my hotel room, just like walk around the strip. All my friends would be out gambling, playing craps, playing blackjack, playing poker, you name it. It's just not fun. You just got to know that Vegas is a place for entertainment. You're going there with money. And if you're expecting to make money and you go there and you're like, oh, I made money my first day, but I have four more days here. So there's no more gambling for me. Stop. That's just lame. That's boring. Like more power to you if that's your mindset. But if you're going there to make money and once you get the smallest sniff of profits, you decide to just, hey, I'm not going to I'm not gonna gamble anymore. I'm just going to let it ride and just, do, just walk around and do nothing the whole time Like while my friends are having fun in the casinos without me. I just don't really like that mindset. So for me, I kept playing, had a lot of fun, definitely no regrets whatsoever about anything that went down in Vegas. Actually quite happy with, I mean, coming back with 615, like didn't lose too much at all in Vegas. Had a great time. We mainly went to, if you've been to Vegas, you'd obviously know this. Uh, we went to, most of the time, I'd say Planet Hollywood was our mainstay. That was probably 70, 60 to 70% of our time. Second most time is spent in Flamingo. Uh, didn't go in Paris at all, which is normally a mainstay for me in Vegas is Paris, but didn't didn't touch Paris at all. Um, walked through Caesar's Palace, didn't bet anything in there. Um, spent time in New York, New York, which was fun. Really liked pl- uh, Planet MGM, or no, not Planet MGM. Uh, whatever, MGM something. It wasn't the main MGM grand, but some, what's a Planet MGM? Let me look that up right now. Planet MGM. I'm, I, whatever, I'm just going to keep moving on. But whatever it was, there was an MGM casino that I really enjoyed there. Um, but it wasn't MGM grand. And then walked through Aria, which is one of the most beautiful casinos there is there. So Ari is awesome as well. But yeah, most of the time I was just in Planet Hollywood because it's right by our hotel. And I just I just dig Planet Hollywood. I think it's a very fun casino. It's got everything you can want. It's got table craps, poppy craps. Craps is my game of choice if you haven't t- you couldn't tell already. But anyways, Vegas I think is a destination city that if you haven't been there, you just absolutely have to. It's the only city in America, in my opinion, that just everyone has to go to once. Um, even if you're not a gambler, just the amount of shows. Like on any given night, you'll have some of the top EDM artists, you'll have some major concert. Um, like, for example, when we were there, there was like Elenium and some other EDM DJs, but at the same time, there's a Luke Bryan concert. There's several America's Got Talent winners there. There's dozens of comedians, magic acts, circus acts. Like, there's, there's so many performers, so many musicians, comedians, magicians, uh, 
casinos and gambling. Now they have sports teams. They have a, a WNBA team. They have an NFL team, obviously. There's just so much to do in Vegas, whether you are a gambler or not. There's so many of the greatest restaurants. There's Hell's Kitchen for Gordon Ramsay, Guy Fieri's restaurants there. Pretty much every major chef has a Vegas mainstay restaurant. So I highly recommend you go. I can't wait to bring my girlfriend there. But yeah, we had a blast. Sunday night, we went to see Cirque du Soleil. Mystere was the, was the brand because there's Cirque du Soleil and there's a ton of different shows. Um, there was one hotel that was showing... Uh, there was one hotel that was showing like a Beatles version of Cirque du Soleil. The one we saw in Mysterio was just absolutely bizarre. Like we we really didn't know what we watched. There was like a big fat baby crawling around. The comedy didn't land. It seemed almost more geared towards kids. There were some amazing acrobatic acts and some amazing athletic feats that were going on. But it was just a very, very interesting show to say the least. But I had a lot of fun in Vegas again. Got back on Monday night. I, I had the chance if I wanted to stay up Monday night to post an episode of this podcast, record it, edit it, clip it up, film it, and post it. But uh, you know what? I was just tired from Vegas. I took the day off. But we're back. We're here. We're with episode six. And that's the recap of Vegas. Fantasy draft-wise, when I went to Vegas, I had one fantasy draft done, which was for my NBA league for with people from the University of Arizona. Shout out Arizona Wildcats for a big win over San Diego State this weekend. Absolutely embarrassed the Aztecs on their new Qualcomm Stadium. But yeah, I already had that draft done. But in Vegas, we had... First up, we had our main draft, which was the one that you saw on TikTok with the trophy. Um, it's my main league, my most important league, $300 buy-in. I won it the very first year we had it in 2013. We're almost done with our 10th year. Matt Zulkowski's won it four times. People shouted that out on TikTok. But, yeah, so that, we had that draft first. It's an auction draft. We started at, like, midnight on Friday night because we had to wait for people to get in from the airport. So that draft went to, like, 2.33 a.m. Every night in Vegas, I wasn't in bed until, like, 3, 4, 5 a.m. And that draft went super well. I'm happy with my team overall. I'm going to post a TikTok uh, today when you're watching this on all my fantasy teams, just giving you a quick run through. But we had that first. The next morning, I had to draft for someone who was nowhere to be found, whether he was too drunk from the night before or what. I had to draft his team for him for one of their other teams or other leagues that I wasn't drafting in, but we had a bunch of people there for. Um, Because the main point of the Vegas trip every year is to have people come together for a fantasy draft. And, hey, it's my turn on the draft clock. Um, I'm on the clock Best available is Mark Andrews or Javante Williams. I have Jonathan Taylor, obviously. I could get Travis Kelsey. I think I'm going to go with Mark Andrews and just say, hey, we got Jonathan Taylor, Mark Andrews. got the number one at the position in two slots. So Mark Andrews were taken, and now we get the first pick of the come around. And I think I'm going to go with quarterback here since this is super flex. No one's drafted a quarterback yet, which is shocking. But I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go Josh Allen. I don't care. We're just going no wide receivers yet. None of them are jumping off the board at me. And I have the first picks. So that means we get to ride for another like 20 minutes till I get another pick. But the team right now is looking like Josh Allen, Jonathan Taylor, Mark Andrews, which means I think I have the number one at the position for three different positions. So I feel like you can't complain about that start whatsoever. So yeah, Vegas talk's done. We had our I drafted for someone else who wasn't able to, and then after that we had a dynasty draft, which is my first time ever doing a dynasty. I completely winged it. I probably made a lot of dumb mistakes, but I'm actually like happy with my team the way it went. People spent a lot of money on quarterbacks in that draft because we did an auction for that one as well. But I came away pretty good. There was a lot of good values late for running backs and wide receivers. I'm very happy with my team in that. So at this point now. I have my NBA league. I have my auction draft league that's got the trophy. Now my dynasty auctions. So that's three leagues I've had. 
Then I came back and I had a draft for on Tuesday night. Me and my girlfriend had a draft for a guys and girls couples league that I were doing with some of my friends for the second year running with 14 people in it. So that's my fourth league. Then after that, I have my family draft for my fifth league. And then this is my sixth league right now, my backseat coach fantasy draft league. So we are in six total fantasy leagues this year. Um, super stoked. Love fantasy football. Six is definitely pushing it. I'd say like four is my sweet spot because at this point, I probably have players. Every single week, I'll be facing players that are on my other teams. So it's like you kind of just have crapshoot every week. And to go with the theme of Vegas, you just have crapshoot every week and hope the way that the pit, uh, the points all add up, end up rounding out because, you know, we're going <laughs> to – we're going to be playing people we have on our other teams in every single league. But that's a, that's a recap on Vegas, on my fantasy drafts. And normally what I would do, as I kind of preluded to earlier, but I just want to touch on it, my normal Tuesday episodes that I didn't post this week, I would update you on everything that happened on the weekend and pretty in-depth in terms of my updates as well. So for college football, because for the next few months of this show, it's going to be 99.999% college football and NFL and 0.0001% everything else combined. Even the World Series, even all that. I'm a football guy, what can I say? So for college football, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you my current playoff picture for my top six. Who's my top four right now looking like for the college football playoff? I talked about this on TikTok, but normally on Tuesday I'd be detailing this. And who are my two on the outside looking in? What does my updated top 25 look like? Who are the biggest winners and losers from the weekend? What's my current Heisman picture looking like? Who's trending upwards? Who's trending downwards? So for college football, just not only just looking at the games and talking about the results, but really kind of breaking it down. What does this mean for the rankings? What does this mean for the playoffs? What does it mean for the Heisman Trophy winner? And then for the NFL, pretty similar, but just a different flavor, obviously, because you got to go for a little different things than what you do in college. We'll go about the power rankings. Who, who do I like trending up? Who do I like trending down? MVP race. Um, who, who do we see... Who, who do I see in the MVP picture? Who, whose kind of st- stock is rising? Whose stock is going down? Playoff race. How's it looking right now? Is it going way different than my expectations early on or no? And then fantasy football. How's my team's doing? Because this is my podcast after all. But next we're going to jump into week one of the NFL and talk about the game's upcoming. But first, I was going to do an ad read, but I'm actually up again for my picks. It is time to get probably another running back. I need some wide receivers as well. Maybe another quarterback. Um, I'm going to go Lamar Jackson for sure. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and a super flex league will be mighty unstoppable. But I need an RB2, and I know I'm not expecting much from him this year. But I kind of love Ezekiel Elliott. So I think I might have to go with Ezekiel Elliott. I like him better than like Travis Etienne or Brees Hall. Uh, wide receivers going right here. I feel like you can get wide receivers. So much va- there's so much value for receivers late. I'm going to go with Ezekiel Elliott. Because David Montgomery's only other one in his category, and they're both on bye with John Taylor. So we're going Zeke, drafted, and we're going to go Lamar Jackson. Boom. Josh Allen, QB. Running back Jonathan Taylor, running back Ezekiel Elliott, tight end Mark Andrews, super flex Lamar Jackson. That's a pretty sick team. But again, like I mentioned earlier, run your pool. Do you think you're better than your friends at picking the winners every NFL Sunday? With pick'em pools, fantasy pools, survivor pools, squares, and more, run your pool is the premier place to run your online sports pool to see who is the best in your friend group, family, or best in the office at picking winners each week. Right now, I'm hosting an NFL and college football pick'em pool as well as an NFL survivor pool on Run Your Pool, which is all 100% free to join, and the winner of each pool will receive a custom jersey of their choice. If you're watching this on YouTube, go to the links in the description to join. And if you're on audio only, visit Backseat Coach on TikTok or Instagram to find links. 
to join for a chance to win one of three jerseys on my free Run Your Pool Pick'em Leagues and Survivor Leagues. I look forward to competing with you all. As we all know, NFL is kicking off tonight. Rams versus Bills. College football is underway. I think you can still join, though. But NFL, get your picks in because we want to see who is the best at picking for the Pick'em as a whole as well as our Survivor League. See how long you can survive. Join my Pick'em Pools. Links in the description. Week one of the NFL is here. Bills versus Rams. This is my first NFL season Pacific time zone. So the game's at 5.20 p.m. How, how nice is that? That's amazing. But we're just going to go game by game through, and I'm just going to talk about them and make my predictions. So Bills versus Rams. I talked about this the other week when I was talking about the Bills. Is I think I'm just going to go with the Matthew McConaughey pick, there, pick here. Think about the intangibles. Rams are getting their ring ceremony. Matthew Stafford's shoulders being suspect. Rams have some new weapons. They lost Robert Woods. They're bringing in Allen Robinson. Their defense looks a little different, but it's still expected to be one of the best in the leagues. They won the Super Bowl. Sean McVay finally did it. The, the, the lights are going to be shining super bright. They're going to be getting their rings. They'll be raising the banners. But the Bills are on a mission for this year. They're saying, nice, Rams. You won the Super Bowl last year, but it's our turn. Bills are going to start their Super Bowl campaign. I see the Bills coming into L.A., coming into SoFi Stadium, and pulling off the win. I just think the Bills this year are just... I think they're the best team in the league. I think the only biggest question mark for them, in my mind, has been what's been the issue for the last few years, and that's just getting a consistent running game. I think for the past two seasons, at least, Josh Allen has been the strongest runner on that team. Devin Singletary hasn't worked out too much. Zach Moss was a flash in the pan. Now they got James Cook coming in, who shows a lot of brilliance. You know, Dalvin Cook's brother, he showed a lot of great things while he was at Georgia, but kind of split committee, so we didn't really see him fully in control of the backfield. He's a rookie this year. I think the Bills made the right moves with getting him to try to make the running game better, but ultimately their defense is going to be feared. Gabe Davis is developing into a great wide receiver, too, behind Stephon Diggs. And Josh Allen is just looking better and better each time we see him take the field. So ultimately, I think the Bills are going to come in and beat the Rams. Uh, I'm not buying a whole lot of stock in terms of this Matthew Stafford shoulder falling off, his arm super injured narrative. I'm, I think it's mostly a nothing burger. However, it'll be interesting to see how he does and how he holds up. I feel like it's always been a knock on him throughout his career, even with the Lions. People always said he has, he has like tendonitis or his shoulder doesn't hold up. I don't buy too much into that. I think he's going to have even more weapons this year. I think Allen Robinson is going to be a major upgrade to that already lethal passing attack. But I still have the Bills winning. I think the lights. I think they're going to be a lot, all caught up in the ring ceremony and raising the banner, which they should. It's a great accomplishment. You literally won the Super Bowl. But I still have the Bills winning and coming in there and picking up a win. Now I'm also on the clock for fantasy, and, and uh, my auto pick right now would be Gabe Davis. Look, Gabe Davis, look at that. Speak of the devil. Should I just pick him as my wide receivers since we're talking about him? You know what? I don't have him in any leagues, and I could do the Josh Allen-Gabe Davis combo, which would be pretty lethal. So we're going to go Gabe Davis, draft him. Devin Singletary's there. That's kind of a gross pick. I'm not going to take him. I'm going to take Elijah Mitchell then. And we'll jump into the Saints versus the Falcons because one thing you're going to realize when I'm going through games week by week is I use ESPN to kind of look at my scoreboard and see what games are ahead. And I put favorites. Saints are my favorite team. Vikings are my favorite team. They kind of rise up the ranks of my scoreboard, so they might be a little out of order. I'm going to try to do my best as I can to go based on what the time the games start. But first, we're going to talk about the Saints-Falcons. I think it's going to be a bloodbath. Uh, Saints are favored by 5.5 on the road in Atlanta in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Falcons, you know, Marcus Mariota is going to be their starter. Desmond Ritter showed showed some brilliance. I think it would be 
apt for the Falcons because this is a tank year for the Falcons. They're not going to be good. Don't fool yourself. Falcons are going to be a bad, bad, bad team this season. They're still rushing Cordero Patterson out there before eventually Tyler Algeo would take over, I'd imagine. Calvin Ridley, just a lot of question marks in terms of that whole offense. Kyle Pitts should be a budding star, but ultimately Falcons' defense is bad. Their offense is questionable. I think the Saints are a much more complete team. Their weapons on wide receiver have gotten major upgrades. Like, think of this. You got Michael Thomas back from injury. Jarvis Landry brought over from the Browns. And you have Chris Olave being drafted. Three top-tier receivers are all now starting on the Saints who were not last season. You also have Alvin Kamara, obviously, on that offense. You still have Mark Ingram. And you have James Winston coming back from injury as well. So, I mean, this offense has a lot to be excited about, and this defense could easily be the number one defense in football. I think this would be a bloodbath. I think the Saints and Falcons always play each other close, no matter how bad or good the teams are, but I still think the Saints are going to make a massive statement. Should be a pretty easy win for them there. And I know next on my list is Packers-Vikings, but we'll stick with the 10 a.m. games first. 49ers-Bears, San Francisco's favored by 7, which I feel like is a lot for them going on the road to Soldier Field. You have Trey Lance versus Justin Fields, two quarterbacks that are in their second year trying to put the pieces together. I think the 49ers are a better coach team. I think they're a more well-rounded team. Their defense, especially the front seven, is going to be one of the most feared in the entire league. Their secondary is pretty suspicious, not going to lie to the 49ers, especially their safety play. I bet you the free, free safety and strong safety are players you've never heard of. But Justin Fields isn't really quite ready to air it out yet. So I think the biggest weakness of the 49ers won't really be realized much by the Bears. The Bears won't be able to take complete capitalization of it. So I still think the 49ers, based on their run game, being able to just run all over the Bears and no longer have Khalil Mack. The 49ers run game will be elite. I think Trey Lance will get pretty creative with the, or in terms of how Shanahan's going to play him with Debo being you know, just a weapon, Swiss Army knife used everywhere. I think the 49ers come in and get the win. I think seven points, like I said, is a lot. I don't know about covering the spread, but I'm still going to say I have the 49ers winning that one. Next game we're talking about is Steelers versus Bengals. But I have to make my next pick in the fantasy football draft. I need wide receivers. I'm going to go with Rashad Bateman because now we have the Josh Allen, Gabe Davis, and the Lamar Jackson, Rashad Bateman, double trouble. And we just need one more. Let's throw in another running back here. We'll go with Kareem Hunt. Oh, no, he has the same bye week as Ezekiel Elliott and Elijah Mitchell. We need someone not with 9 and 14. Um, we'll go with we'll go with Chase Edmonds. Uh, this is terrible, terrible radio. So we're just gonna you know what we're just gonna go with Chase Edmonds. Screw it. Talking about the Steelers Bengals, as you've known from listening to my YouTube videos, my TikToks, you name it, I'm very, very, very down on the Steelers this season. In my super flex league, I picked picked Kenny Pickett, and I really want him to start soon. My Mike Tomlin and the Steelers organization does not really have track record of trusting young quarterbacks early i think it's going to continue here doesn't sound like kenny pickett is going to be getting the start week one unfortunately even though he showed great talent and promise in the preseason unfortunately also mitch trubisky just he looked great as well in the preseason it was weird though they said they had a clerical error because kenny pickett was listed as three in the depth chart instead of two but mason rudolph rest be assured is number three he won't even be suiting up for the game against the Bengals. but this game in cincinnati i think the Bengals aren't going to make the playoffs this season simply because their schedule is so difficult. Nothing against the Bengals. Their schedule is just so hard this year. That's what it comes with winning the division. And I think that we're going to see some regression from Joe Burrow, but none of that's going to happen week one. I think the Bengals win here pretty easily. They're at home favored by 6.5. I think they cover that spread easily. I don't think the Steelers are going to be able to keep up with the Bengals. I think Joe Burrow is going to have a field day against that secondary of the Steelers. Again, not much to talk about here. I see the Bengals winning pretty easily. But a very juicy and interesting game for me is the Eagles versus the Lions. Because Philadelphia is a team that, out of nowhere, just all of a sudden, I've been seeing like 
number one seed buzz, bye week buzz, uh, like best record in the NFC buzz, Super Bowl contender NFC championship buzz. And I don't know if I missed something. I don't know if all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers is their quarterback. I don't know if all of a sudden Miles Sanders retired and they brought over Jonathan Taylor from the Colts. I don't know if Devontae Adams decided to, you know, I'm not going to the Raiders, I'm going to the Eagles. So I don't know what I missed here with Philadelphia. I mean, they have Jalen Hurts. They brought over A.J. Brown. They made some great draft picks and some good offseason moves. But I just don't see where all this hype is coming from. And on the other hand, the polar opposite of hype, any team that's on hard knocks always gets some hype going into the year, and that's no different here with the Lions, Dan Campbell, and the Detroit Lions have just got everyone fired up for this season. And they're at home to start it off. All those hype from preseason, all this hard knocks, buzz, and distractions – Coming to a front week one against a team that I think is beatable for the Lions, but the Eagles I just don't see as a team of being that big of a threat. So I think this game's going to be really interesting. Right now the Eagles are they're going to be on the road. They're favored by four. I don't really see why there's all this hype about the Eagles. I, I still think that it's a winnable game for them. I do have the Eagles winning this game. But it's just been very confusing to say the least in terms of why all of a sudden I'm seeing Theo Ash NFL, someone I respect a ton on TikTok, saying that he, he thinks that the Eagles are going to be in the NFC Championship and they're, they're one of the best teams in the NFC. And it's just, it's just all kind of confusing to me. But regardless, I still, I still see them beating the Lions. I don't think the Lions are going to live up to the hype that a lot of people have them this season. I think they're still going to be a 6-11, 7-10 at top team. But anyways, it's going to be a really fun game to watch because I do think these two, these two teams are pretty close in terms of what their overall what their overall skill level I guess is and what, I, what overall trajectory I see from them being in this in this season but I do see the Eagles pushing for the playoffs I don't have them making it from my personal rankings but I don't see the Lions really coming that close whatsoever for the playoffs got to make one more fantasy pick here I'm gonna go with you know what we're gonna go with Robert Woods on the Titans will he be anything we're with Kadarius Tony I think he's a very skilled talent it just all depends on Danny Dimes <laughs> Next game, though, we got to talk about is the Patriots and the Dolphins because these are two teams in the AFC East that are going to be obviously playing second fiddle to the Buffalo Bills who have Super Bowl expectations from me and from many. And we have Mac Jones and Tua Tagovailoa, who, you know, Tua has more experience than Mac Jones so far in the NFL. They're both Alabama products. But they both have a lot to prove still. Tua, especially now that he has the weapons. Gasicki really came into his own last season. Now they have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle is really – flourishing in the NFL as well. So I think Tua has a lot better weapons around him than Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones has shown he can be a little more poised in the pocket than Tua can. So I think both these Alabama products have a lot to prove this season. I think the Dolphins will be a slightly better team than the Patriots in terms of what their boom potential is, just because I think the Patriots don't really have anyone I'm excited about in terms of pushing them far. I mean, there's still going to be that running back by committee that we're used to with the Patriots with Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris. They're still going to have quarterback or wide receivers you're not going to write, write home to mama about. They're going to have a strong defense, as always. It's just a Patriots team we've seen before. They didn't make any splashes in free agency, didn't make many splashes in the draft. And once again, it was a puzzling Bill Belichick draft. It's just another boring offseason for the Patriots. And it worked when they were one of the best teams in the country. But now that they're just so bad all the time, it's just, it's just tired and, and old. And I think the Dolphins, the polar opposite. They made necessary moves this offseason, especially the Tyreek Hill being a monstrous move and getting rid of Brian Flores is a, an often forget forgot about move. I don't know if it was the best move getting rid of him, but it happened. It's over. 
I think the Dolphins are they're at home. They're supposed to cover three and a half. I mean, even when Patriots had Tom Brady, the Dolphins at home seemed to be the kryptonite for the Patriots. But now that it's Mac Jones, I still see the Dolphins pulling off a week one win. Belichick will have his players ready, obviously, of course. But I think the Dolphins just have a more electric offense that is going to be able to poke holes in that defense. Bill Belichick loves taking away the number one offensive option from the other team. But it's easier said than done to try to take away Tyreek Hill. A game that is just going to be, you know what? I'm just going to kind of quickly go through the games that are going to be blowouts. Ravens on the road against the Jets. Zach Wilson's tweaked. It's going to be Joe Flacco behind center. Ravens obviously know Joe Flacco better than anyone. Lamar Jackson versus Joe Flacco. Really not much more needs to be said. The defense of the, the Ravens is a far superior to the Jets. Even the running game of the Ravens I trust more in terms of Lamar Jackson and, and J.K. Dobbins as opposed to Brees Hall and Michael Carter. Um, the wide receivers are pretty equivalent on both teams. Honestly, Jets might have better receivers if you think about it from top to bottom. But still, the Ravens are going to win this game. It's not going to be too hard. Ravens will win on the road to MetLife Stadium. A game that kind of looks stinky on paper, but it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, it's week one. We want to see how these teams are going to come out of the gate. We have the Jaguars versus the Commanders. Uh, it's in Washington. Uh, Brian Robinson, of course, isn't going to be playing. Antonio Gibson should be getting the start, but look for a lot of work from, from J.D. McKissick as well. Uh, Jaguars, I really want to see Trevor Lawrence take that leap in his second season now. Travis or Trevor Etienne being back. Uh, or Travis Etienne, sorry, I had it right the first time. Travis Etienne being back and healthy, reuniting with his his college quarterback. There's a lot to be excited about in Jacksonville. I think some people are overrating them a bit. I've seen people put them around the 10-7 and 7 mark this season. I really don't see it all coming together that quickly for Trevor Lawrence. I don't think he's going to make that big of a leap, but he needs to take that leap nonetheless. He needs to look like a competent NFL starter. Washington's favored by 2.5 at home. I think Carson Wentz is just a stinky doo-doo, and I think the Jaguars are going to go into Washington and get the job done and pull off a win. Next game we're going to talk about is the revenge game for Baker Mayfield, Browns versus Panthers. And this is just going to be such a fun game to watch because Baker is just one guy that if it's a revenge game, it is must-see TV. But first, got to finish off my fantasy draft here. My last picks here. I could use a quarterback – or I could use a receiver and running back. I'm just going to get another quarterback as well, though. We're going to go with – we'll go Jameis, famous Jameis Winston. You know, got to ride, got to ride with my guy. And then we are going to go with, for my last pick, other than defense and kicker, should we just hoard a quarterback? I think we're going to take another quarterback just because it's a super flex league and people in this draft did not realize how important that's going to be. We're going to go with, uh, we'll go Tua. Grab Tua here. So now we just need defense and kicker, and then we're riding home. I thought that draft was going to take a lot longer, which is why I started this podcast. But in hindsight, I would have just done the draft without, without the podcast. But you know what? We're here, and you got to live it with me. But Baker Mayfield is a guy that, in a revenge game, you're taking Baker's side. And the Panthers are favored by one and a half. Browns are going to be throwing out Jacoby Brissett, who has shown time and time again he's not a competent starter in the NFL. Baker Mayfield's mad. He's mad that the, the Browns took a risk on on cutting Baker or trading Baker Mayfield and sticking with Deshaun Watson. And ultimately, I think it's a risk that failed. I think it's a risk that failed for them because I don't know if Browns are going to be in position for the playoffs this season by the time Deshaun Watson gets off suspension. I wouldn't be surprised if more stuff is going to come out about the Deshaun Watson suspension. So ultimately, I think the Browns absolutely failed and mismanaged their quarterback play. Not saying that Baker Mayfield should have stayed in Cleveland because I think it was kind of dead and gone for his time in Ohio. But still, he's on the Panthers now. He's going to be getting the start. He's going to be angry. They still got Sam Darnold there. I think Cam Newton's still hanging around maybe. But, of course, on the Browns, you have Nick Chubb and you have Kareem Hunt. One of the most feared dual backfields in the entire league. So you got to look out for that. The Panthers absolutely do not have the defense that's going to be able to strongly stand up to that rushing attack. 
But still, blow for blow, Panthers have the better passing game. They have Christian McCaffrey, who's who's obviously an incredible talent at running back who can go toe-to-toe even with the combination of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So Christian McCaffrey's happy. <laughs> this is the bottom line, okay? I'm going to stop fumbling over my words. Baker Mayfield is mad and Christian McCaffrey is healthy. That's all you need to say. Panthers minus 1.5, book it. They're going to beat the Browns. Next game, Stinker, Colts on the road to the Texans. Damian Pierce, I want to see how good you are. I think you have an outside chance of winning rookie of the year for running back. Davis Mills, I thought you had a great 2021. We'll see how much you improve. But I really want to see ultimately Matt Ryan in this game. How is he going to look in a Colts uniform? Is he going to look icy? Is he going to be a Matty Ice once again? Jonathan Taylor's Jonathan Taylor. Colts are going to win. No ifs, ands, or buts about it against the Texans. And that's the same case here, um, but I think there's a little more potential for an upset here, although I don't see it, but I think uh, I don't want to dismiss it as quickly as I just did Colts-Texans. But Titans hosting the Giants. Danny Dimes and a maj podge of wide receivers in that wide receiver room. You have Saquon Barkley back in healthy, and he looked great in camp, and I took a flyer on him in some fantasy football drafts. Yes, I'm going to hurt myself again by drafting Saquon Barkley. But I hope the best for the guy. Obviously, he's a Nittany Lion, so respect for that. But defensively and their offensive line, their offensive line, first off, let's just talk about them one at a time. Offensive line is nothing to write home about, nothing to be super excited about. Their defense is going to have a lot of holes in it. I don't think it's a defense that's going to do great stopping Derrick Henry. In terms of weapons, they lost A.J. Brown, but they brought in Traylon Burks. They brought in Robert Woods. I think Ryan Tannehill is going to have no shortage of weapons. They obviously have Malik Willis waiting in the, waiting in the wings there in Tennessee. I just think Tennessee top to bottom is a more talented team than the Giants. They're a better coach team than the Giants. And I think Tennessee wins this one, but I, I just wanted to give him a little credit for the Giants because I do think Danny Dimes, when he's when he's on, he's on. And Saquon Barkley's back and healthy. And they have made some pieces and movements on their offensive line and defense to try and shore them up. So that I could see a potential upset here, but I still see the Titans winning. Not too much to worry about here. Picking the defense to finish my draft, I think we're going to go with the Steelers' defense. And Actually, I kind of hate that pick because they're going to play a pretty tough division. And then for my kicker, We'll end this thing off with, kind of want to just go with the Vikings kicker, even though I could get a better one. You know what, we'll just go Tyler Bass. Eh, no, Brandon McManus. Pick a Denver kicker, it never hurts you. So that draft's done, and we got to jump into the Chiefs versus Cardinals. So the Chiefs are favored by six on the road against Arizona. The DeAndre Hopkins list Cardinals, uh, obviously be battling that suspension. And then you have Marquise Brown is brought over from Baltimore reunited with Kyler Murray, who's his college teammate at Oklahoma. I think the Cardinals offense could be clicking. I think James Conner's got a great year now that Chase Edmonds is out of the backfield and it's kind of his spot to shine. But I don't think it's all going to come together for Arizona week one. Their defense is going to be great. Uh, their front front seven is going to be awesome with Max Crosby, Chandler Jones. You know, what can I say? I'm in Phoenix. I'm in the Arizona area. I really want them to do good this year. I really want to see – I just love when my home team's doing great. I love just being a, 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 not home – yeah, like where I'm living. You get it. You know, wherever I'm living, I like the team to do great because it's just fun to be a part of the community and people are excited about their football team. But it's the Chiefs. People are way too much buying into the narrative that Patrick Mahomes is gone and now that the Chiefs are just – or not Patrick Mahomes is gone. Tyree Kill's gone and now Patrick Mahomes won't be able to, you know, not do as great because Tyree Kill's gone as number one weapon. But he still has Travis Kelsey who, yeah, is going to be double-teamed by people more. He's going to be keyed in more by opposing defenses. But you have Juju Smith-Schuster. You have Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You have Isaiah Pacheco. You have a lot of new weapons still. To, like You lost Tyreek Hill, but you also gained a lot of production as well in that offense. 
And that defense lost Tyron Matthew, which I think his play on the field is going to be missed, but more so his leadership is going to be missed. So there's valid reasons why you can be hesitant about the Chiefs this year. I don't think they're going to win the AFC West. I think that's going to be the Chargers. We'll talk about it in a second with the Chargers and the Raiders. But people are still like saying the Chiefs aren't going to be the playoffs, which is just absolutely bananas to me. I think Patrick Mahomes is still an elite talent. I don't care who he's throwing the ball to. And the Arizona Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury are just too confusing for me and too much of a head-scratcher of a team. I think the Chiefs come into to Glendale, Arizona, and plot the win in State Farm Stadium. But as I mentioned earlier with the AFC West, Raiders versus Chargers, a big AFC West game early in the season. Chargers at home. They're favored by three. Chargers have more hype than even probably the Bills this season with Justin Herbert expected to take that leap. He, we Everyone says he's such a great quarterback, but we need to see the wins happen, which I'm firmly in the camp that wins are not a QB stat. But still, I mean, it's hard to argue against people that say they are, you know. You can say that a football is a team game, which it is, but you can say, you know, Tom Brady's winning rings. Aaron Rodgers still has great regular seasons if he loses in the playoffs. So you can't really just say, like, point to an example in history where there's just been an elite quarterback who's just not able to even get close to, to getting the job done in the postseason. Someone's, they always at least get a ring or at least get a chance to ring or at least make a run in the playoffs. So we got to see from Justin Herbert. It's still early in his career. I'm not saying anything, but I'm just saying that, you know, we want to see some more wins out of Herbert, the Oregon product. We have Austin Eckler is one of the most multifaceted talents in the entire NFL at running back. Their wide receivers, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, kind of old studs. They've been there for a while. Their offense is pretty much just going to be rinse and repeat from last year and hopefully just to fine-tune things, get more in touch with Justin Herbert at quarterback. But the defense run, Khalil Mack, Derwin James is back and healthy. Their defense as a whole is expected to make a major leap because they were you know, under the microscope last year. They were the ones losing them the games. Justin Herbert would do everything he can and have great accuracy and try and get them to win a game, but their defense would let them down. L.A. went out and invested this year. They said, that's not going to be our crutch anymore. We're not going to just say, oh, we just have a bad defense. That's why this year all the hype and all the eyes are on L.A. I expect the Chargers to win week one in a statement against the Raiders, who made improvements of their own with Devontae Adams coming in from the Packers. Uh, I think it's an improvement to have Josh Jacobs run the ball less. I don't think he's that great of a running back. So now it's going to be more of a committee between Josh Jacobs and Samir White. And it'll be really interesting to see how Hunter Renfro does now. It's kind of the number two, maybe even number three option if you want to consider Darren Waller in that passing attack. So I think the Raiders are going to be great. I think both those teams will make the playoffs this year. But the Chargers is who I have winning that game, especially since it's at home, which doesn't mean much for LA home games. But still, I think uh, the Chargers get a job done at home. Now let's circle back to the Packers versus the Vikings because I think this is a game where the Vikings are going to win. They're they're actually favored to lose, projected to lose by 1.5. Green Bay is favored by 1.5. But who's Aaron Rodgers' targets going to be? We know who he has. We has Alan Lazard, Christian Watson. There's some other people that are popping off in training camp and preseason, but we just don't know who that number one guy is, who's going to be the, the one Rodgers trusts. He always has that someone. He always has you know the Jennings driver, uh, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, he always has that guy he trusts, he goes to. Who's it going to be now? A lot of people thought it might be Christian Watson from NDSU from this draft, but he hasn't really shown much. The, the kind of obvious pick might be Alan Lazard, but who knows? We just got to figure out who that guy's going to be. But regardless of the passing game, we know their running game is going to be A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, who I think have overtaken Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt as the number one rushing backfield in the NFL. Their defense is going to be the best in the NFC North, which isn't saying a ton because the Vikings' defense is real poopy and the Bears and Lions aren't anything to write home to Mama about, but Packers' defense is going to be strong, very strong unit defensively. 
And I think Aaron Rodgers is going to get the job done. Similar to Patrick Mahomes, I don't think it matters too much where who or who he's throwing the ball to. But when it comes to this game against the Vikings, the Vikings have the Sean McVay coaching tree now under them. Mike Zimmer is no longer a thing there. Kirk Cousins is that passing offense with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen will be able to breathe a little more. Irv Smith Jr. will get into some play with the tight end. You know, Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, which is a great backfield within their own respects. Their defense is going to be pretty bad this season, I won't lie to you. But their offense, I think, is going to breathe a lot more. They're going to be able to put up a lot more points. Kirk Cousins is going to get some real buzz this season and some real national recognition as actually being a solid quarterback. And I think it's going to be a win for the Vikings. I think it's going to be a home-and-home this year that the Packers are going to win in Lambeau. Vikings are going to win in U.S. Bank. School chance going to be rocking. Vikings Nation will be ready. I have the Vikings beating the Packers in Week 1. Now to the Sunday night football game. We have the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. And this is a game that happened last year, and it came down to the very end, and the Cowboys were not able to pull out the win, even though it came very close to the end. This year's in Dallas, and it's the Buccaneers coming in. Tom Brady, Giselle Bunchen, Trouble in Paradise. She's on a remote island, and he's stuck doing babysitting the kids. You know, there's all the drama in the world, obviously, is always surrounding Tom Brady, it seems. But Chris Godwin made a miraculous recovery from his ACL injury. Playoff Lenny's back, and he's not fat, no matter what you think of training camp. Mike Evans is poised for maybe leading the league in touchdowns this year. They lost Tyler Johnson, which I thought was kind of a big blow that not a lot of people talked about in terms of their number three, number four wide receiver weapon. But they brought in Julio Jones, which will we see a career revival? Who knows? I'm not expecting much. That defense with Antoine Winfield Jr., I think he's an absolute stud, and their their defense up front is great to stop in the rush. Uh, they're, they're just going to be a great, well-rounded team. They're going to be a great team this year. But going to AT&T Stadium week one, I have the Cowboys winning. I have a slow start for the Buccaneers this year. As I've mentioned time and time again, I have them starting 0-2. But I have the Buccaneers going on the road to Dallas, losing. Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb, now that Amari Cooper's gone, are going to be running that offense. Elliott and Pollard are a great running back duo. We talked about some of the greatest running back duos in the league just a moment ago. Elliott and Pollard are right up there as well. Elliott is one of those players people like to call washed, but they just haven't checked the checked the production. Like, Elliott's still great on the field. Um, it's just maybe the eye test doesn't look great, but in terms of statistical production, he's great. I have the Cowboys getting the job done. I think Mike McCarthy's in a major prove-it year, and plus I just think the Buccaneers have a lot going on that I think it's just kind of their narrative. They're going to start slow this year, but they're going to come back and make a push maybe all the way to the Super Bowl. But I have the Cowboys winning week one nonetheless on Sunday Night Football. All that beautiful weekend slate to build up to the absolute poopy stinker of Monday Night Football, Broncos-Seahawks. It's obviously going to be incredible for Russell Wilson to see him traveling back to Seattle in his first game in a Denver Broncos uniform. But the Broncos are favored by 6.5. I don't care if it's 16.5. I would still take the Broncos here. The Seahawks are going to be one of the worst teams in football this year. The Broncos are going to be one of the most dynamic teams in football this year. Give me the Broncos every which way to Sunday, or in this case Monday, as the Broncos and Russell Wilson will get in the sweet, sweet, not, not revenge. He has all love for the Seattle fan base, but what a stinker of a Monday Night Football game. I remember when they used to have two Monday Night Football games. I think that's like every single year except this year, which is a little bit disappointing. But hey, we'll get a great Sunday slate. There's a lot of great matchups here. I'd say my favorite ones, of course, Bills-Rams tomorrow is going to be amazing or tonight when you're watching this. Packers-Vikings, even putting my bias aside, you have to agree it's going to be a fantastic matchup. Buccaneers-Cowboys as well. Patriots-Dolphins is a lot of intrigue. Eagles-Lions is a lot of intrigue. Um, and then Browns-Panthers for the same reason that Broncos-Seahawks will be fun to watch. That game has a lot of interesting storylines to it with Baker Mayfield facing the Browns. And then I think Raiders-Chargers will be an awesome game as well. I think it's going to be a great, fun game to watch between two high-profile football teams. 
But that's it for our, our whip around the week one of the NFL and kind of my predictions of what I'm feeling for each game. Next, we're going to jump into week two of college football. But first, a word from Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a daily sports flat platform that offers all the daily fantasy contests you know and love, plus awesome contests that you won't find anywhere else. With Thrive Fantasy, you build your lineup. You choose 10. Or, sorry. With Thrive Fantasy, you build your lineup by choosing 10 out of 20 available player props to build your lineup. Each prop is assigned fantasy value for both the over and the under based on how likely it is to occur. And if your lineup scores the most point, most points in the, your pool, then you're the winner. I'm, I'm sucking at this fan re- ad read. I'm sorry, man. I'm fumbling over my words. Contests can either be head-to-head or in a pool. And speaking of pools, Thrive has a week one NFL contest for $250,000 guaranteed prize money. You have to go join now because week one is about to happen with $50,000 going to first place. To join Thrive Fantasy and receive a 100% deposit match up to $100, either join with my link in the description or download the app Thrive Fantasy from the App Store and use promo code BACO. That's B-A-C-O for a 100% deposit match up to 100%. Again, that's code BACO, B-A-C-O, to join and enter that week one NFL contest. Again, I can't say enough how much I love Thrive Fantasy. It blends my two favorite things into one and that's player props and daily fantasy. It takes the things that I don't really know that well about each of them and throws them away. And it takes the things that I know and love most about them and puts them together. Build your fantasy lineup with your favorite player props for week one. Go join that contest with code BACO today. But let's jump into week two of the college football slate because we are back. And there's, as I mentioned in the beginning, it's not a juicy slate, but it's it's tasty. You know, it's a... It's a Taco Bell when it hits. You know, you haven't had Taco Bell in a while and you eat it. You know, it's going to make you kind of feel sick. You're not going to love it. You would rather have, you know, a nice Wagyu steak. But sometimes that Crunchwrap Supreme hits right. And this weekend it's going to hit right because College Wall is back and we're not going to complain about the slate. But jumping into that so-so slate of the weekend, we'll start with talking about Alabama versus Texas. Because Alabama, they played Utah State, which say what you want about Utah State week one. Bryce Young looked electric. Threw for five touchdowns and ran for two more. I believe I'm going to fax, right? Maybe it's four and two. But some which way, he ran for touchdowns. He threw for touchdowns. It was an incredible display from Bryce Young. Alabama was firing on all cylinders. I don't care if it was Utah State. It was 55-0. to zero. It was an absolute blowout. But Texas, on the other hand, Quinn Ewers, he looked pretty good. I'm not going to say he looked fantastic, but I'd say he looked pretty good. 16 for 24, 225 yards, two touchdowns. Same thing here from Bijan Robinson, who I expect to be the number one running back in the entire nation. He looked pretty good. He did what he needed to do when he had the ball in his hands. He made the most of it. But Texas, even though they, they the box score is telling me they looked amazing, it's just something about the eye test of watching them. It just didn't blow me away. Their defense honestly looked more impressive than I was expecting them to. But Quinn Ewers and Bijan Robinson, that wide receiving core, just, just didn't, didn't stun me uh, in terms of a positive mark on what I think for Texas this season, which is where I have them winning the Big 12. I didn't get a lot of confidence from that week one. I think Sanders at tight end is going to be a, a, a wild card for them there. He had six receptions, 85 yards, and a touchdown. I think he's going to be one of the most lethal passing options of that offense. But this game's in Austin, Texas, at DKR Texas Memorial Stadium. College game day will be there. And what more can you say except the Nick Saban and Alabama are coming into town. Texas remains unranked. They're right on the outside of the top 25. I personally have them in my top 20. But Alabama's favorite by 20 here. If Texas, This is a win if Texas can cover that spread. If they can lose by less than 20, which I think is definitely possible. 
Uh, we'll talk about my best bets in a little bit. But all eyes are going to be on this game. It's an 11 a.m. kickoff. I don't know why we couldn't see a night game in DKR Memorial. But anyways, I really want to see how Steve Sarkeesian gets that team fired up after a week one that, as I mentioned, just looked pretty good. Not amazing. Alabama looked amazing. So I really want to see how Texas can do, if they can cover that 20-point spread, if they can even hint at possibly winning that game. But what I was really hoping for as a Texas fan going into this is that week one, Texas would have looked amazing. And Alabama week one might have, you know, let up a touchdown or two. Maybe Bryce Young didn't look quite like the Heisman he was. Nah, not didn't happen. Jameer Gibbs was amazing at running back as well. Alabama's all the weapons in the world. This is a scary game for Texas. This is a scary game. Alabama's looking like that team in that conference, the SEC, the big bad wolf that Texas is going to be joining. That's got to be the number one game on everyone's radar. I can't wait to watch it. That's got to be my number one circle game of the weekend for sure. The only two games we have between ranked opponents is first up we have Tennessee versus Pittsburgh. Now, Pittsburgh survives week one is the best way to say it. On Thursday night, They Keaton Slovis and Pittsburgh survived that onslaught of West Virginia. The end of that game was absolutely crazy. Pittsburgh managed to get the win. Didn't cover the spread, though, but still was a crazy atmosphere in the backyard brawl. They got lucky that they played on Thursday. However, this was such a high-energy game on the field and the emotions off the field. These The two teams battled West Virginia and Pittsburgh through the end. I was impressed by Pittsburgh's resolve, but Tennessee had a pretty easy week one, and now coming in week two, even though it's going to be in Pittsburgh at Acrisure Stadium, I'm a little worried that Pittsburgh might have had to pull out all the stops in week one in order to beat West Virginia, that they're going to be a little down this week in Tennessee. They are favored by six after all is going to come in and pull off the win. And I say unfortunately, but not that I dislike Tennessee. I actually am complete opposite. I don't dislike them whatsoever. But I do like Pitt. I'm high on Pitt. I just think they're not going to be able to pull off a win this week um, with Tennessee coming into town and Pitt being you know, just just finish a, a hard, hard battle. They have, a, they have just a very tough out-of-conference schedule this year. But that's a ranked matchup. And the only other ranked matchup – actually, sorry, we have two other ranked matchups. Can't forget about Kentucky-Florida. The reason I forgot that was a ranked matchup is because Florida went from unranked, not even really receiving any preseason votes, all the way up to 12 after beating Utah and in a game where Cameron Rising really just screwed the pooch at the end for Utah, throwing that pick, which was a really bad interception. Very impressive game by Florida. They look great. Utah had a lot of hype coming into the season. Yeah, this game was in Gainesville, and yeah, the atmosphere was high energy for Florida, but they pulled out the win. You can't discredit them for that. 12 is a stretch. I don't know if pushing them all the way up to 12 should be where they went. I get that you can't really put them behind Utah, but I think 12 is a little overambitious. Florida's favored by six against Kentucky. I like Kentucky in this game. Will Levis, I see. I like him and the and the Kentucky offense to – Go toe-to-toe with Florida. Anthony Richardson had an electric game. Passing the ball, he looks a little suspicious, but running the ball, I mean, he's a runner at the end of the day. He's a dual-threat quarterback that heavily favors his legs. He looked great on the looked great on the ground with 106 yards and three touchdowns. But I like Kentucky in this matchup. I think Florida quickly just rushed their way up to overrated status. But this is a very pivotal SEC game very early on in the season, cross-divisional. And I'll be interested to see how Florida can can hang because they'll immediately be a top 10 team if they can win this game. And the entire landscape of the SEC, of Florida, of the entire college football season changes immensely if Florida can win this game. So another great one to keep on your radar. But then we have the nightcap with the last ranked game of, the, of this weekend, which is Baylor going to Utah to face BYU. Number nine, Baylor is an underdog at three, by three points. 
Um, BYU had a strong week one. Baylor had an amazing week one. Dave Aranda definitely had no cobwebs to shake out for the, the reigning Big 12 champions. I like Baylor going on the road. I think they're a better coach team, although that's no knock against BYU. They're a great coach team as well, but Dave Aranda might be in the running for one of the best coaches in the entire nation. And their offense was clicking. Their defense is disciplined. I think Baylor's just too well-rounded and too talented for a BYU team. Both teams, I think, are going to be have great seasons. BYU is an independent, so they have very tough tough schedules, and this is no exception against Baylor, and they have a lot more tough ones coming up. But I like Baylor pulling off the upset, if you want to call it that, on the road in Provo, Utah. And that's a, that, that ends up for the ranked games. But there's a couple other games I do want to talk about here. Um, my, my team, Wisconsin, of course, my favorite team, uh, looked good week one. Again, not great. They looked pretty good. Graham Mertz looked okay. 14 for 16 sounds good on paper, but he really didn't blow anyone off the stat sheet. Braylon Allen got 148 yards, although 90, 96 of them were on one run. But he only ran it for 14 times. Shimmery DK looks like the number one option for Graham Mertz at the wide receiver position. The defense was awesome as well. Um, Minnesota and Wisconsin both just took care of business and won each of their games 38-0 week one. But now Wisconsin's playing a Pac-12 team in Washington State, who I think is pretty bad this season. Wisconsin is favored by 17.5. But it's Power 5 competition. We'll see how Wisconsin, less so, more so Graham Mertz, can stack up against Washington State. So I'll be keeping my eye on that, of course. South Carolina, Spencer Rattler looked pretty rough week one, to say the least. Um, SEC in general week one just blew everyone's socks off except for LSU of course but South Carolina got the win but we're not going to let them fly under the radar too much because Spencer Rattler did look pretty suspicious and that whole offense as a whole didn't look the greatest and I think Arkansas and KJ Jefferson looked completely the opposite although in that second half against Cincinnati Arkansas sure did make their fair share of, uh, of mistakes to almost lose that game but South Carolina coming into Arkansas, I think Arkansas is going to blow their socks off and Arkansas is going to win that game pretty handily against the Gamecocks. Vanderbilt's gotten themselves off to a quick 2-0 start. And you know what? Vanderbilt could be ranked if they win this this game this week against Wake Forest. Wake Forest did look very great. Uh, very great to open the season. Um, but Vandy's quarterback, right? He's, a, he's multi-talented. This game's going to be in Nashville at First Bank Stadium. Sam Hartman's still not going to be playing for Wake Forest. So will Wake Forest slip up? I mean, Wake Forest is favored by 12.5, but it is in Nashville, and Vanderbilt has the momentum for sure. I think Wake Forest, the Demon Deacons, will win this one, definitely. But it's one to keep your eye on because Vanderbilt might surprise some people. As I said, after week zero, I thought, you know, maybe they could turn some heads this year. Next, some other games we want to talk about here is Appalachian State fought tooth and nail with North Carolina to the end of the game. And Texas A&M is not in the same ranks as South Carolina in terms of SEC teams that didn't look that impressive. But they definitely didn't look as strong or as compelling as I thought they would be. They fall right into the same category as Texas did for me, actually, in terms of they look pretty good. Just not not anything crazy. So Texas A&M is favored by 19 against Appalachian State, who is not a bad group of five team by any stretch of the imagination. They went tooth and nail with North Carolina. You can say North Carolina is not that good or whatever you want. But at the end of the day, Appalachian State's a solid team. I think they're going to put up a fight, and 19 points is a lot of points against the Aggies, especially the Aggie team that didn't look amazing week one. So that's a game I'm going to keep my eye on pretty closely. Another one's going to be Houston versus Texas Tech. Speaking of fighting tooth and nail, Houston had to fight tooth and nail through three overtimes to beat UTSA. And now they're facing Texas Tech in Lubbock at Jones AT&T Stadium. And Texas Tech's favored by three here. Texas Tech blew up the stats stat sheet in the box score week one. But Houston's a great team, and I think Houston, even though it looked like they had to fight and they were scrappy in order to win that game, I think actually winning that game was huge for their mentality, huge for their resiliency, 
And being UTSA is no small feat. UTSA was undefeated for most of last season. I think Houston's going to come in on the road and pull off an upset here against Texas Tech. Even though everything's saying Texas Tech looked dominant week one, Houston looked really suspicious week one. I, I think the narratives are completely different, to be honest. I think Houston is going to pull off the road win here. Only two more games that are really worth mentioning. Um, one is USC versus Stanford. USC blew the Sox off Rice week one. Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley put up the most points that USC has in a long, long, long time. So it's great to see the Trojans just really living up to expectations so far in California, in Southern California. But they're going up to Northern California this weekend to play Stanford to open up Pac-12 play. So being able to get a Pac-12 win under their belt this early in the season is a huge gift that would be great for them um, with Oregon and Utah losing week one. This would firmly cement USC as the number one team in the Pac-12 with a win over Stanford. So really interested to see how Lincoln Riley does in this first interconference matchup in the Pac-12. The only other game sort of worth mentioning is also includes Pac-12 is Arizona State versus Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State and Spencer Sanders had an incredible week one offensively, but then they rested everyone because they're up huge against the Central Michigan chip was. They benched everyone. Central Michigan came back. They covered the spread. It was a travesty for any Oklahoma State betters because Oklahoma State was up by a billion points. And Arizona State, they're 1-0. They look pretty good week one. We'll see how they can do going to Stillwater, Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma State wins pretty easily here. But Spencer Sanders is a quarterback a lot of people have knocked, saying he's he doesn't live up to expectations. He's not that great of a quarterback. But week one, he shut them all up, and he went for over 400 yards passing for four touchdowns. He ran the ball well as well. Really just an electric, electric performance from Spencer Sanders, combining for six touchdowns. And I want to see if he can keep it up. And now, much similar to how I was saying, Wisconsin's facing a Pac-12 team now. Same story here for the for Oklahoma State. It's the Pac-12 team in Arizona State that they are should definitely, definitely beat. But will Spencer Sanders be able to look as good as he did week one in Central Michigan against a Pac-12 team that's not terrible in Arizona State? So those are the games I'm keeping my eye on. As I mentioned, not a crazy slate. The best games for sure, Kentucky and Florida, Baylor and BYU, and Texas and Alabama. But there's some other games to lick your chops on. Like I think South Carolina, Arkansas is going to be an interesting game. Wake Forest, Vanderbilt, interesting. Appalachian State, Texas A&M. Could be interesting. Tennessee-Pittsburgh will be a great game. Houston-Texas Tech. So there's games here. There's a great slate overall. Not an amazing slate. But I want to get into what my best bets are because in terms of the slate, it's not the greatest. But in terms of the board and the betting lines, I am loving the board. And I have eight best bets this week. So, yes, eight. Count them. We are currently 6-8 and eight on the season, which sounds bad because we're at 42.86%. But I started 0-4. So, reality, I, I'd like to consider we're 6-2. and two, Or, no six and four so you know we're, we're making turning negatives into positives here but before we get into my best bets of the week and there's a lot of them we are going to quickly go over our final sponsor chalkboard and chalkboard is basically a discord and it's my big group chat for all people who love sports chalkboard is a social platform for sports communities where each community has its own board with different channels allowing me and anyone else in my community to chat and discuss in real time sports news scores bets and more Chalkboard is the absolute best way to engage with your favorite sports creators, including moi, and their community, and it is 100% free to join. The Chalkboard app is super cool and has a, has a live scoreboard of games going on right this second. It has sportsbook integration, so you can integrate all of your sports betting accounts to track your bets real-time and see trends. But first and foremost, it is the absolute best way to engage and discuss sports with peers. Chalkboard is free to download in the App Store, and I hope to see you all join my community. 
If you are watching us on YouTube, go to the links in the description to join. And if you are audio only, visit Backseat Coach on TikTok or Instagram to find links to join. I know I often chime in on Chalkboard to ask people where for some video ideas that I want to talk about, or I grade people's fantasy football teams over there, Q&As. I want to know people's opinions on breaking news. So go join my board today. That's Chalkboard. Download it. Join the Backseat Coach board. And I hope to talk to you over there. Now, let's finish out the episode with my week two best bets, because as I mentioned, I have eight of them. This first one pains me to say, Alabama versus Texas. Alabama's favorite by 20. I think they smack that spread. I don't think Texas is going to be a bad team this year. I have them winning the Big 12 championship. That doesn't mean they're going to beat Alabama. Texas is going to not cover that 20-point spread. Alabama looked too strong week one. Texas still has some kinks to work out. Give me Alabama minus 20. Speaking of teams that have some kinks to work out, Ohio State did not look great week one against Notre Dame. But by the end of the game, it seemed like they started to understand Notre Dame better and were starting to get on the right track. But ultimately, their offense didn't look quite as electric as we thought. Jackson Smith and Jigba banged up his leg. It looks like he's going to be okay, but we don't really know quite what his status is going to be going forward or what his re-injury risk is going to be. Travion Henderson has some has some improvement to do. But C.J. Stroud, first and foremost, has, has a lot of accountability and he's play a lot better than he did against Notre Dame. Yes, they're a top-five team, but still, people had high, high, high expectations for Ohio State's offense, and they have to show it in Week 2. We have to see that Ohio State offense we were expecting. Ohio State is facing Arkansas State. Ohio State's favored by 44.5. Give me that spread. I think Ohio State hangs 58 on them, wins like 58-0. to zero. I think that offense is going to be tired of the narrative of people saying they're overrated and they're going to come out and throw some blows. Give me Ohio State minus 44.5. Next up is KJ Jefferson of the Arkansas Razorbacks against South Carolina and Spencer Rattler. Now, I am not a fan of Spencer Rattler, nor am I a fan of the Gamecocks, not in terms of having anything against South Carolina, but just in terms of how I think they're going to be this season. I think Arkansas is a far superior team. Arkansas is favored by eight. Give me Arkansas minus eight. I think they're going to absolutely demolish South Carolina to open up SEC play for the Razorbacks. Game number four, Texas A&M versus Appalachian State. I mentioned this earlier. App State is not a bad team whatsoever, and I think they are going to fight tooth and nails once again. I do worry a little bit about the same thing that I was worrying about Pitt going up against Tennessee in terms of that Pitt might be a little too tired from such a game that's so draining and so high energy. But Appalachian State is going to be back. They're going to be mad about the ending in the previous game. They're going to want a revenge. But ultimately, 19 points is a lot for a team in Texas A&M that didn't look great week one and Appalachian State looks very good week one. It's going to be a great team. So give me Appalachian State plus 19 on that one. Houston, Texas Tech is another game I talked about earlier, so I'm not going to go too much into it. But give me Houston plus three. I think they're going to upset Texas Tech outright. I think Houston's got everything right and clicking after that three-overtime game. And I think they're going to come into Lubbock very poised and ready to pull off a win and continue the push for the AAC title. Three more picks. Number six, Tennessee-Pittsburgh. Again, mentioned this earlier. Give me Tennessee minus six. I just don't think Pittsburgh's going to have it after spending all that energy and emotional ride energy on week one. I like Pitt. I'm a fan of the team. I would love to see the win over Tennessee, but I still see the Volunteers coming into Pittsburgh and pulling off a win and covering a six-point spread. Give me Tennessee minus six. This next spread is the most head-scratching spread of the week for me. USC versus Stanford. I don't think Stanford's that great of a team, whereas USC, I think, is one of the most electric offenses in the entire country, much less the Pac-12. And USC's going up to Northern California to face Stanford, and USC's only favored by 8. Give me USC minus 28. I think USC is going to absolutely blow the socks off the Cardinal. So USC minus 8, yes, please. Thank you, Matt. 
And my final best bet is Baylor versus BYU. I like Baylor plus three on the road. I also like Baylor to win outright. I just think Dave Aranda is going to have that team ready. BYU and Utah is going to be a great atmosphere. They have a great experienced team. But I still think Baylor, that, that coaching and the organization of that team from top to bottom, they're just so fundamentally sound. I see Baylor coming in and pulling off the win. So right now we are 6-8. and eight. We have eight games here. Hopefully that pushes us up to 14-8 and eight because at that point we would go from 42% to 63% on the year. Um, I might have to break out the old FanDuel Sportsbook for this weekend and bet on some of these. But those are my eight best bets. We have Alabama minus 20, Ohio State minus 44.5, Arkansas minus 8, Appalachian State plus 19, Houston plus 3, Tennessee plus, minus 6, USC minus 8, and Baylor plus 3. Well, there you have it, folks. You've gone through quite the ride. We talked about my Vegas trip. We talked about my fantasy drafts. You live drafted my fantasy team for my backseat coach company, Fantasy Football League. We talked about college football last weekend a bit, as well as what you'll normally see on Tuesday episodes. We previewed this whole packed college football slate coming up this weekend. Talked about NFL. Kickoff is tonight. Rams versus Bills. Talked about some of the games this weekend. I predicted every single matchup. There's some stinkers. There's some great ones. We covered a lot. You heard a lot. You also heard from our sponsors, Thrive Fantasy, Run Your Pool, and Chalkboard. But on the next episode, as I mentioned time and time again, next week you will see on Tuesday a full recap of week one of the NFL season. Biggest winners, biggest losers, who are early favorites for the MVP, who who shined in fantasy, who blew expectations out of the water. Same thing for college football week two. Who will my current playoff picture be in my top six? I already released my top six on on, on uh, TikTok, so go check that out because Arkansas is my number two seed right now in the college world playoff. I also go over my top 25. I'll go over my biggest winners and losers from the weekend as well as my current Heisman picture looks like. So a ton to come recapping a great, great weekend of feast. Your eyes, your ears, your mouth, everything. Football this weekend. We're back. Football in full swing. September is here. Wake me up when September ends. It'll never end because football is here till February. Thank you for watching the Backseat Coach Episode 6, and I'll see you on Tuesday. Cannot wait.